iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. We have a very fun event we're going to kick off in just a couple of seconds. But first, we'd like to invite you guys to enjoy a really, really nice trailer for the film Touching Home. <laughs> We're all having a good time, right? Sure, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Sure, sure. So shut up! Give me my money, Dad. I don't have it. Why are you gonna try and help me? Why? He's gonna get your hopes up and then BOOM! Slam you. Shake this thing. Can I get you a cup of coffee? Charlie Winston is based on Noah and Logan's real-life father, who spent the last 15 years of his life homeless, struggled with alcoholism, and died in jail in January of 2006. We wanted to just tell our dad's story. He wasn't somebody that anybody was going to make a movie about, that anybody was going to write about. The most important thing to me was trying to do justice to this man who these two young fellows obviously cared a great deal about, who spent their lives really trying to help him out and never ever really gave up on him. This isn't home for me. You know, really fortunate and it's really just a reflection of who Ed is as a person. If he didn't believe in us, then the movie never would have been made. Well, right? there was something to believe in. And I'm really proud of the movie. You guys did a great job. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Noah and Logan Miller and this evening's guest moderator, Stu Von Ersdale of Movie Line Magazine. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Hello. Thanks for coming. Yes, thank you very much. So I'd like to introduce Noah and Logan. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Doing great. Just got our thank first you. subway ride and... Uh, you get a little lost when you walk outside, you know, so we sort of walked around a little bit, but eventually, yeah, we got here. How long are you here for? Uh, till Sunday. I'll okay, be. so you're here for the long haul. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, their, op- their movie, Touching Home, opens this Friday, correct, at the Village East? Yes, yes. Village East. Okay, great. So how are you feeling about this? You've hit New York. After all this time, you've been working on this project. How are you feeling right about now? That's a good question. Yeah. Because New York is not... Yeah. Because uh, New York is, well, for us, just being from the West Coast, New York was always kind of, I mean, it might as well have been in another country. And so it's just, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, never been a place where there's this many people. And yeah, and the ho- you hear the horn all the time. There's, there's sort of this ambient sound, I think it has. You listen to it in the movies, and then you come here, and it sounds the same way. Honking, just constant noise. People are really nice, so you ask for directions, and they, they want to get down with help you. Help you out. Yeah, help you out. Okay, it's, it's been our experience. And so now, though, I mean, it's, it's one thing to visit New York. We all know that. But then you're opening a movie here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that like? I mean, what are your last-minute plans for opening in New York? And how, how are you, uh, I guess, you know, trying to get the word out here? What's, what's your plan? Well, we've heard a, a lot of, like, how difficult this marketplace is. And, you know, New York's really tough crowd. And so... I guess we've been, we got our armor, we brought our, you know, full, our bulletproof vests and helmets, and so, yeah, and I've been practicing a lot of kung fu in the room, so if it gets out of hand, I'm just gonna... Well, you guys have kickboxing training, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah, read that in the book, yeah. okay. 
That's cool. So you're prepared for that. Well, now, <laughs> I guess we should probably you know, go back a little ways. We saw the trailer. But what is it specifically that you are here promoting? What is Touching Home? And I guess, how did you get from where you were to where you're at? Okay, that's a good question. Here's what I'm confused right now about. Am I supposed to be looking at you or am I supposed to be looking out there? It's all about the okay. audience. Okay, all right. Your audience. All right, that's a great question. Um, so what was it again? Touching Home. Oh, Touching Home. Yeah, so Touching Home's... He forgets things and I remind yeah, him. Yeah, because we share a brain. Because and so there's two of just, you. Yes. Yeah, it sort of happens yeah. that way. But... Um, Story about us and our father. We used to play baseball. Baseball don't work out. We went back home and um, worked with our father to try to save money to get back to Arizona. This all takes place in Northern California. And our, our father was homeless and alcoholic. He was homeless for the last 15 years of his life. And um, he, he ended up passing away in jail. And we had, we had written Touching Home. Um, and he knew about it. And he, you know, he had read the screenplay and wanted us to make it. And so we were visiting him in jail shortly before he passed away and he said you know when are you guys going to make our movie and we used to always tell him well we're yeah. going gonna to make it soon and, and he had no idea how difficult it was to make a movie because he had no background or anything in movies other than he liked to watch them and um he said who's going to play me he's got to be good looking and we're like you know well, ed harris we'll, we'll get ed harris to play you and uh but it was just a you know it was like a jailhouse dream it was just something that you're just kind of trying to make light of a really crummy situation yeah because when you're visiting your dad in jail you're not talking about you know Hey, what's it like in there? You know, you're talking about everything else but that. So then he passed away and we just made a vow that, you know, we were going we to make our movie. And so we did. That's a pretty honest portrayal of your family's life, too. I mean, I can't pretend to know exactly what happened, what's authentic, what's not. But it's still a pretty honest depiction of, you know, it seems honest of uh, assessment of like your relationship with your father. I, I how honest did you want to be? I mean, how much was, of this was just kind of confronting what happened? Well, I, I mean, I think we, we tried sure, to be yeah. as, as honest as we could, you know, given sort of the limitations of, of making a movie, you yeah. know, and especially um, if there was a location that we couldn't use where a scene took place yeah. in real life, then it, it, what was most important for us was just capture the emotional truth of things. And it was, um, it, we didn't have the best relationship with our, with our father. And, um, and so we, we also, though, tried to, to show a man that had a lot of serious issues and, which had a lot of good qualities, but um, we just tried to kind of show, I, I guess, as honest as we could without sort of glorifying things, you know? So you guys play baseball. Now, you have to, under, you have to understand the background here is that these guys, for all intents and purposes in, in Hollywood, I mean, you saw the trailer, uh, but for all intents and purposes, four years ago, these guys... For lack of a better word, you guys were nobodies, right? I mean, yeah. you guys had nothing. You yeah. had developed some scripts. You know, yeah. you knew some producers. So, but you got a grant. Yeah. Right? And then talk about the grant. How'd you get the grant? How'd you kind of get this, the ball rolling with this? Okay. So, once our father passed away, we decided to make our movie. We figured we'd get a camera from Circuit City, you know, shoot for 13 days or turn on the 14th. Um, it just, we just needed to do something positive. You know, we're in such a low place. And... But we didn't know where to start and how to produce a movie. So we went down to the bookstore and bought some books on, on production, just started taking notes. And there was a conversation with a woman from Kodak in there. And the book was called The Gorilla Filmmaker's Handbook. Yeah, anyone out Big there? Big old phone book type. And you know. so we called Lorette Bale at Kodak and she pitched on her movie and we didn't know what we were doing. And she said, wow, it sounds like you guys have a lot of passion. And we said, oh, well, thanks. She said, uh, why don't you give a guy out of Panavision, Rick Halpern, a call. He runs a Panavision new filmmaker program. We called Rick. Rick answered his phone that day, and his 3 o'clock appointment had just canceled, so we went out, we drove out to Panavision and pitched him for half an hour, and we thought it was going terribly. You know, we, we, ter I mean, yeah. he's, Rick, you know, he was very, um, he didn't say much. He wasn't, he was very kind of, he just sat down in his chair. Because he gets pitched all yeah. day long. And Tell so me about your movie. Really, yeah, and so we pitched him, and he stopped us about a half an hour into it and said, you know, sounds like you guys haven't had many breaks, and uh, uh, you know, Pan I'm going to give you one, so Panavision's going to back you 100%. So we took the cameras down to, to Tucson because everyone was telling us we couldn't direct it because we never shot anything before. We, didn't, we never even shot a short. I mean, we had nothing. And went down there, Colorado Rockies, Logue's old roommate with the Blue Jays had just signed with the Rockies, and so they threw him in a uniform for three days, and I just followed him around with the camera. And then we cut together a two-minute trailer, and 
Um, and then, you know, from there, it, it, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. The story, you really, this is the book, by the way. Either you're in or you're in the way, and there are copies over there. You can get it tonight, and these guys will sign it. It's a must-read, I think. It, it's, it's, we'll get to this in a second, but um, the, the story is told in, in great detail in here, including the Panavish story. The, but once you guys go down there and you start shooting, wasn't easy. I mean, these guys think you're from Hollywood, essentially, right? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so the uh, the guys weren't the, the baseball players weren't too happy with. So, my roommate had just signed with the Rockies, and then he introduced us to guy PJ Carey, who who runs the sort of spring training. And and so when I got when I went out there in uniform and and we had a camera out there, they thought that I was just you know some actor. They didn't know that bro had played, right? And so nobody, they were just, they were kind of, you know, they're giving me guys, a really hard guys time. were talking smack, you know, when everyone was stretching and, and, and bro was just so pissed off. He just, you know, kind of, you know, kept Because I mouth. felt, you know, about this big, you got this whole team of guys. There's like a hundred guys out there in spring training and they're all giving me a hard time. And, uh, and then. And he kept going, bro was like, man, I can't wait till I play catch. I can't wait till I Yeah, because in my head, because I, I played baseball professionally in the minor leagues and I knew, you know, once I started once I was able to get past stretching and start throwing that, you know, they'd, they'd stop, you know, talking shit. Sorry, pardon yeah. the language. But, uh, and so, so yeah, then so he that was pretty... Then, so nobody would play catch with him. Yeah. So I got the camera ready, you know, to, sh you know, just to get, grab a shot of him playing catch. Nobody play catch with him. And so I run over, I, you know, I basically, you know, you know, get kind of heated. And, and so this one guy goes and plays catch with bro. And the guy backs up and he kind of lobs it to my bro and then bro just fired it at him. I mean, and just boom! And the glove popped and all the guys kind of looked over. And then, yeah, it was after that. After that, then everybody was pretty Street cool. cred. Yeah, yeah. street cred, so. yeah. yeah. But you also had to act. I mean, you, you yeah. had not done that much acting before either. So how did you, I guess, you're developing all these crafts at once. Yeah. You know, how did you develop the acting craft? So well, we had taken a little sort of, we took a cold reading class for a couple months and cold readings were on, probably some of you guys know, they just give you sides and there's, there's no direction. It's basically it, a couple pages yeah. from the script. So you got to break it down. And so that sort of informed, that was a little bit of acting that we had done. And, and then we, we bought a yeah. bunch of books on that and, and then just did a lot of rehearsing. I mean, yeah. for us, it was kind of, you know, sports taught us a lot about preparation and in baseball, you know, when you're warming up hitting, you put the ball on the tee and so... And you just go, you know, start taking your hacks, and then you start get, taking batting practice, start speeding up the, the ball a little bit, and then, you, you know, you're ramping up towards game time. And so for the acting, for us, it was just a matter of sort of breaking down the, the, the script and, and just kind of starting out reading the lines just on the page without any emotion, and then gradually building up to the scenes. And then once we were ready to start shooting, then you're, you want to be kind of peeking at that, moment and so uh, a lot of it was just we read so many books on um on directing and and producing and acting and then you kind of form your own sort of uh you know philosophy of things and um then you watch movies and you and you know once you have a a passion for something i think then you start to t study it with a certain intensity that um starts giving you insight into you know, what it is you're trying to do, I guess. Now, your fa their father in the film is played by Ed Harris. The Ed Harris story is just one of those just amazing Hollywood stories. I'll let you guys tell it because it's amazing. Okay. So, as we mentioned earlier, we were visiting our dad in jail shortly before he passed away. And he said, you know, who's going to play me? He's got to be good looking. And we said, you know, Ed Harris. But it was just, it was a joke. A complete joke. Just, yeah. I mean, we were, we were so far from getting Ed Harris to play in, in a movie that we were going to make. So we went down to Arizona, and we shot for three days in spring training. After our dad passed away. After our dad passed away. And then we read, we're from just north of San Francisco, we read in the, in the San Francisco Chronicle two weeks later that Ed Harris was going to be coming to the San Francisco International Film Festival. And so we said, okay, he's our guy. We're going to go talk to him. And we had, a, we had cut together this little two-minute trailer from all that footage in Arizona. It was just an atmospheric, really. There weren't any, there was no dialogue. It was, it was just a bunch of sort of dreamy baseball images to, I don't know if you're familiar with Nick Drake. Uh, yeah, to Pink Moon. So it was something that we were proud of. And we went to the Castro Theater where Ed was being honored. And it's a huge old theater, two, two decks. 
Um, there's like 1,400 people in there. And yeah. We tried to get the microphone during the, you know, just like this, tried to get the microphone during the Q&A. Couldn't get the microphone. Oh, and, and I, I forgot to mention, we had oh, our, yeah. our laptop with us, with us that had the trailer on it, and then we had our script in a manila, manila envelope with our contact information. And, and our idea was that we would go and talk to Ed Harris, and we ran it by a few people in the industry, and they were like, it's insane, you can't go talk to Ed Harris, you've got to get the money first and go through the agents. And we said, well, if we call the agents, that phone call's never going to get returned. We're fairly kind of where we are honest about hierarchy. where we are in the hierarchy, and we, you know, we were... I mean, Down in the dust. Yeah, we're the dust mites. And so we just went to the Castro and couldn't get the microphone during the Q&A, even though we were the, the first guys, you know, standing up, you know, waving our hands. And I think they thought we were stalkers for sure. And so they're like, stay away from those guys. And they gave Ed a standing ovation, and, and he just he slipped backstage through the curtain. And it's got a high stage. It's probably about a six-foot high stage. So there's steps leading up to it. And, got up out of, out of my chair and started walking down the aisle. And bro said, where are you going, you know? And I said, uh, you know, I said, you know, blank this. We're going backstage to talk to Mr. Harris. Because I was pissed off because our, our job was to go talk to Ed and we weren't going to talk to him. So I said, I guess we're getting arrested yeah. tonight. So we, so we walked past the press and past the security and just kind of waved everybody and walked up the steps of the stage, waved to the, you know, the people standing, you know, guarding the curtain and <laughs> just went past. And uh, we were able to get backstage, and we, you know, we bumped into this woman, and she's like, oh, what are you, what are you guys doing back here? And I said, I, I didn't even look her in the eye. I wanted to really play Hollywood with her. I was like, oh, you know, we're the independent filmmakers, and we're here to talk to Mr. Harris. Like, we had an appointment that she didn't know about, and she said, huh? I said, you know, we're the independent filmmakers, and we're here to talk to Mr. Harris. And um, she quickly yeah. re realized that we were imposters, and then she just pushed us back onto the stage. And then, and then we became really desperate, and we said, look, will you please just see if Ed will talk to us just for two, two minutes? Two minutes. We're making this movie about our dad, and we're local guys. Just see if he'll talk to us. So she kind of looked at us suspiciously, and then she disappeared back to the curtain, and we figured she's coming out you know, with, with security or the cops. And she comes out with Ed, and he looks at me and looks at my brother, and he goes, Ed Harris, what do you boys got? And so, you know, nice, yeah, nice firm should, handshake. And so, so then, then we, we I, like, got the, okay. I got the laptop yeah. open and I'm trying to show him the trailer. But the stage lights are flooded out the image. You couldn't see anything. And there's 1,400 people having an intermission. So you, you definitely couldn't hear Pink you, Moon. Yeah. And I was holding it and I'm, oh, I'm panicking. And I was looking at the screen. I couldn't even see the image, right? And then I look at Ed and Ed's not even, he's not even watching the trailer. He's smiling at me. I'm like, oh God, it's just going terribly. But there was a, just like, there was like a, there was a door open to the alley. And it was quiet and dark out there. And I said, you know, hey, Mr. Harris, do you mind if we go into the alley? And he's like, sure, let's go into the alley. And he so had a we, cigarette yeah. he wanted to smoke, and so that so helped we, get him we, out Yeah, there. we went into the alley and, and had our laptop, and there was a greasy dumpster, and we just put it on the greasy dumpster, hit play. Just two minutes long, he started watching it, and he said, wow, this looks beautiful. Looks like you guys know what you're doing. And we're like, oh, yeah, you know, you should see in our film school, you know, geez. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and then he, he then he watched the trailer, and then he he took our script off the and, off the dumpster, and he said, "So you guys want me to read for the role of your father?" And we're like, "No, I mean, you, no, this isn't on audition. It's yours. Please take it. You know, we want you. You don't even have to read it. You got yeah. the role. You know, because there was no one else that wanted the role at that point. And um, and so <laughs> he shook our hands and grabbed our script, and then by that time, is you know, people the. You know, people would come into the alley and there was a car waiting for him. And he, me and just stayed in the alley and he walked to his car and left. And then he called nine days later. He called us, Ed. Yeah. Said, uh, read the script and let's get together and talk about it. He couldn't do it originally because he was just too booked. And so we went and we met for coffee and figured out when he could do it. Yeah. And, and there's a funny anecdote in the, in the book as well because they, they conceived the, the idea of the agent basically taking their, their like, throwing the phone if he gets off the phone with you and, <laughs> and as Ed Harris gets progressively closer to accepting this role he's destroying his office you know he's yeah. throwing his chair it's like what are you doing but, yeah. but that's what you were up against right yeah that's yeah. we took a little sort of poetic license in the book this kind of imaginary scene of what the agent did because we called Ed so we went and met Ed for coffee right and, and about an hour in, he, he couldn't, he had no time in his no schedule. Time. He's like, he's like, guys, I'm not trying to, you know, like fudge my way out of this. He said, I'm, I'm doing this. He's all, I'm doing this. I'm helping out Ben Affleck with his, you know, first movie he's doing. And then I got this thing in New York. I'm doing this, you know, one man show thing. And then, and then you know, and then it's, then it's the holidays and I want to be with my family. And we said, well, I mean, there's gotta there's be a Thanksgiving and then there's Christmas and in between there. Um, and, but we didn't want to shoot. So, you know, we, from Northern California, once the rain sets in, so we did not want to shoot 
in December, but we figured it might be our only chance to get Ed. So he said, look, if you guys push all the way till then, you know, I can give you two weeks. And we said, okay, boom, we're doing it. And then he said, so do we got a deal? And, we and we're said, like, no, no, Ed, we're supposed to ask you if we have a deal. And then he goes, well, well, well do we? And we're like, yeah, of course we got a deal. And then he goes, let's shake on it. <laughs> and so yeah. he just stuck his eye. And shook. then he said, okay, now all you got to do is call my, my this is where the agent comes in. But so Ed didn't know we didn't have any money. But we got to get to the agent. That was right. the question. Oh, right, sorry. So, right. so, um, so he said, all you got to do is, is call my agent and schedule it. So we thought his agent would be all excited. No. Not, uh, like, we, we were so excited. We called, yeah, we just had coffee with Ed, you know, and he's going to do our movie. And it was, it was so cold. It was just like, yeah. All right, send it. Send me and the script. Yeah, and that was and it. Then, boom. Boom. So in the book, we just kind of <laughs> imagine the scene with... After, 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 you know, he just, he beats his assistant with the phone and then, you know, throws the chair out the window and, and, um, yeah. And so, but, how we, but Ed wasn't the end. I mean, you guys got Brad Dourif, you guys got yeah. Robert Forster. I mean, you had an Academy nominated cast working with you. And so yeah. how did, I mean, and Brad actually came first. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, a few minutes before, a, a, an hour before, uh, so as we're walking down, Market Street, if anyone's familiar with San Francisco, Market Street, you got to walk down Market to get to Castor, at least where we were coming from. And as we were walking down Market to go meet Ed, or what, what would be our meeting with Ed, uh, Brad's agent called and said, hey, you know, Brad really likes, likes the, the script and he would, you know, he'd like to be a part of it, you know, if we can work things out. So when we got into the alley with Ed, after he watched it, he said, you know, is there, is there anyone else, you know, who, who else is doing this? And Yeah, who, do you guys got anybody else we, on board? And we said, you know, Br- Brad Dorf. And he's like, whoa. He's like, man, he's like, I love Brad. He's like, wow, you guys must really be getting it out there. And we hadn't got, Brad was the only guy we'd sent the script to. And so just a really lucky yeah. coincidence. And we'd actually got the script to Brad because uh, our first AD, this woman named Connie, when we were shooting down in down Tucson, it was just a six, seven person crew when we went down to Tucson because we couldn't just, no one we were just funding on our credit cards and 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 connie said you know i think i got i don't know who you're thinking about for the role of your uncle but i i think i have brad dorf's number from a location agreement we had shot on his property like 10 years ago and so she was able to dig it up from her files and so we called his house and he answered he said you know is this you know brad he's like yeah well you know so we pitched him and he's like we'll send it to my agent so yeah same thing out with robert forster uh, another thing the book reveals is the relationship you had with your crew. And these are all cast of characters as well. Guys like you know, Little and Big Angry. You know, I say, well, what was your relationship actually? And how did you develop a relationship uh, as filmmakers as well as you know, directors? I, I think um, the, just having the sports background really helped us, especially baseball being a team sport. And so early on in the process, we said you know making movies is just is team art and so we need to assemble the best team that we can and we're the managers that's we you know we basically said okay we're the we're going to be the managers so let's just put together you know at each position you know let's the best out. the best people that we can and we said you know we're also going to you know surround ourselves with, with gray hair and listen and so just get the most experienced people that we could and then um and so for us it was about creating just a really comfortable environment where you can have you know, these really experienced people that feel like it's an open environment for them to contribute. And so, you know, we had played for coaches that were, that were, that were you know, not very nice guys. And then we played for ones that made you feel um, really comfortable. And, you, and, the, and it, it always seemed like, you know, especially in the tough situations, the tough games, those are the guys, the, the, the teams that were formed under, under that type of coach tended to perform the best. And so for us, it was just a matter of bringing on the most experienced people we could and then having sort of bouncing our ideas off them and then also a lot asking them and say, look, we want you guys to contribute. We want to know what you know. And so don't feel, um, you know, this isn't for us. It's not really a dictatorship. It's like we want to kind of, for us, especially our keys, you know, just really allow them to contribute and lend their insight. And that's what we thought would just be the, the best sort of environment that would, that would make the best movie. So. But you're also learning on the fly when you're on set, like Brad Dura, for example, like uh, he has a crisis when he arrives on the set, right? What was oh, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're dealing with that kind of stuff on the fly. So maybe you want to talk about that and how, how, do you, uh, how do you respond to that? Right. So we also produced it. 
because we just started, so we were managing the money, you know, we were the business side, we were the creative side, and just wearing a bunch of hats. We hadn't planned on producing, but we couldn't, yeah, we, we couldn't, couldn't find anybody to begin with. I mean, it just snowballed into something much, like in hindsight, you know, yet we got this wonderful team of people, but it didn't, you know, it was, it was so Originally, nobody wanted to be part yeah, of it. Yeah, nobody. It was just me and my brother. And so, so we started producing it because we had no other choice. And so, you, you really, uh, what we found, you're well, just... No, but, but Brad. Oh, right. So you're managing personalities. Your biggest job is you're going to be managing personalities. And so, <laughs> so Brad showed up. We got to shoot where we grew up, up in Northern California. And it starts to get rural out there. And uh, Brad shows up at the hotel. Me and my brother grab his bags and, you know, take him up to his room and say, you know, great to have you here. And we walked downstairs was our production office. So we walk downstairs, and, and our producing partner, Jeremy's in there, and he goes, we, we got a major crisis you know, with Brad. And we got like, a major problem. Major problem with Brad. And we go, well, no, no, we just dropped Brad off. There's not a problem at all. He goes, no, no, we got a major problem. We're like, no, we, we just dropped him off. We said, well, he said, Bao just called. I said, how long ago? He said, he's all five seconds ago. And I said, oh, no. And Bao was our buddy that was in the room with him bringing his other bags up. Yeah, and so me and my brother ran back upstairs, and, and, and Brad's by the television and we go Brad what's going on he goes guys we have a major problem we have a major problem and I, I'm thinking and he was he didn't have a signed contract by that point and so we were going oh geez it's, it's done you know we're shooting in tomorrow and something Brad's unhappy and he's going home and he goes we're like well, you know or someone died we figured someone died in his family he goes we're like what, you know, what kind of problem he's like we have a major problem and I'm like oh like Brad what's going on and he walks over to the TV and he goes he starts tapping <laughs> he all starts tapping and he goes he goes, see this? I'm like, yeah. He goes, it's not a high-def TV. No, he goes, it's not HD. Oh, sorry, it's not HD. Sorry, it's not HD. And then we kind of look at him and goes, high definition. Yeah, and we're like, yeah, no, we have those up here. Yeah, we've yeah. heard of that. And, um, and then he goes, I, can't pl- I don't play my, my Xbox 360 on anything but high-def. And, and we go, we go oh, all right, cool. So and he wasn't being that much of a premium. He wasn't it's, being a it's more like he just had the wrong instrument. Because like, he plays this flight simulator game, and I guess you need... Really it's good, really good television play. I don't know. I don't play video like that. And so, so our buddy Bao, he goes, "There's a Target right down the street." And Bao's like, "You know, Target's a 14-day return policy." Brad was only shooting for 12 days, so he goes, "I'll go down to Target. I'll get you know an HD television, and I'll yeah. bring it back." So we went and got it and mounted it on the wall, and Brad was and all it, excited, and you know, it was just. And so after that, he, it was great. We had averted disaster. Yeah, with that, so. It's a quintessentially great filmmaking story. I want to yeah. open up to the audience. Anybody have any questions for Noah and Logan? Come on, don't be shy. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys oh, wait, wait, excuse me. One second. We have a microphone for you. So oh. you can, uh, we're podcasting this. So, uh, Lovely. You know. I won't yell then. Uh, um, you guys, nice meeting you on the street, yeah, by the yeah, way. Right, yeah. That's my dad. I was just telling you about him. How's it going? Um, you guys mentioned that you produced it yourselves. Um, where'd you get the money? Okay, that's a good question. So the first, the first stuff that we shot, we, uh, we had accumulated about 17 credit cards, and, uh, and, and we went down to Arizona. And so that was, we put together that little two-minute trailer to demonstrate that we could direct the movie. So that was, a, that was the first part of shooting was on our credit cards. Then we, uh, once we got sort of our cast and crew on board, we, had to, we knew we had to raise a you know, substantial, substantial amount, of money. amount of money. So we printed up a bunch of business plans. Just started handing them out to anybody, right? Because we didn't know anyone directly that, that, that could underwrite that type of investment. Because we were looking to raise right around $2 million, which might sound like a lot, but in making a movie, it's just nothing. <laughs> just goes. It just goes in the mulcher. But, um, so we printed up these business plans, and one went to a guy named Pete Detterding, who was from Sacramento. Went from Pete to his buddy Curtis Rapton. And then Curtis was golfing with a guy named Brian Vale, and he said, hey... You know, I got this business plan. Uh, From these guys are making a movie with Ed Harris. And so we then received an email from Brian Vale that was in our junk. So we didn't, we didn't know we'd receive the email. And, it, and um, yeah, I went to our junk one day and I just started after really, we were, we were just a few weeks out from shooting and we had no money and we were signing contracts and, and um, we were about to have to call it off. Yeah. And our attorney was calling us every day saying, you guys are going to get sued. You know, you, you're signing contracts that you can't pay. And, and we would just come back with, well, you all, we, you can't take nothing from nothing, you know? And so um, we just, so I went to race all our junk and, and, you know, in between the, you know, how to be a bigger, better man, you know, uh, uh, you know, or you've inherited, you know, $15 million from your cousin in Nigeria. There was, you know, uh, subject, uh, everyone gets us, I'm sure. Maybe it's only a West Coast thing. I don't know. Um, 
But uh, it said, are you still looking for money? That was it. And I said, yes, ellipses. And then guy Brian called us the next day and sort of introduced himself. And, and then we went up and negotiated. But he wasn't going to fund it until we had a signed contract with Med. But we couldn't get a signed contract with Med because Ed's people, we couldn't let them know that we didn't have the money because if they knew that we didn't have the money, then they would have been like, Ed, these guys have been blowing smoke. They don't have the money. So, oh, what did we do? Well, we, we, Ed fired us an email. Like, for a week, we were at the stalemate with, with Brian. He, he said, you know, we told, we said, Ed shook on the deal. And he's, guy, he's all, guys, guys, this isn't 1850. You know, a handshake don't mean shit, you know? And um, Ed fired us an email, just a random email saying, hey, guys, how, how you doing? I can't wait to come up and, you know, shoot with you guys. So we printed up that email and took it up to Brian and said, look, you know, Ed's doing this movie, you know, and a contract's only good as, you know, the person's word behind it, and he gave in, gave us some money, and so we just went and made it, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, yes, right here. I'm wondering how you handled the technical aspects of just shooting. Did you learn all that from scratch? And do oh, it yourself? Oh, yeah, I mean, you have to learn... You know, it's, it's on-the-job training. But, but there's stuff, you know, we, did, we didn't... I don't need to... Load, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't need to know how to load the film into the camera. We didn't need to know how to process it. We didn't... You know, there's... We don't need to know the difference between a C-stand and... A and, sandbag, yeah, you know? It, it, or how to read a light meter. You know, there's, there's people that are expert at, at those specific jobs. But we knew what we want. I mean, we had the vision in our head, and we knew what we wanted. Yes, yeah. so you get together with your cinema, you, you know, so we had a, uh, a digital camera. camera and we, we shot where we're from. So me and my brother would just go out and we'd shoot the whole scene and then we would write on our computer, you know, just sort of a detailed shot you know, list. Establishing shot, you know, medium, you know, close up and just write, you know, the entire sequence out. Plus we had it, you know, digitally. And so when our cinematographer would come up for the, for the you know, the tech scout with, you know, with, with lighting, sound, you know, and grip, they could see the plan, and so we never really had. We just, you, you know, you just you can't learn everything, and so you just kind of gotta gotta allow all those other people that are working on the movie to 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 do their job. And yeah. So you know, it was daunting at first because you know we didn't know any of the, any of sort of a lot of the technical vocabulary was we were ignorant to it, but at the same time, you know, we knew that there were people, and it's very compartmentalized when you make a movie, and so so they're gonna know th those sort of. It's the, the specialized vocabulary of their kind of, you know, subgroup or whatever. And it was, for, for us, it was just more important that we understood the broad sort of vision yeah. of things. And, then and to be able to articulate what you want and then let them go and do their job. Was, yeah. yeah. So. We have one over here. Okay. Hi. Um, what kind of careers did you start from? Or did you ever make a film before or in college or high school or anything like that? No, we're, our academic careers was pretty uh, pretty pathetic. I mean, we both both went to college and scholarships, flunked out. Um, he was fortunate enough to get drafted. Uh, I just didn't understand the opportunity. It, I, I had never thought about going to college when I was growing up. Didn't even cross my Nobody mind. Nobody in our family had ever been to college, so it wasn't like academics it, were, were, really, home, yeah. were really stressed. And so, for us, you know, we always liked being out fishing and in the you know in the woods and stuff. And so, or playing baseball. But we, you know. We always did manual labor jobs growing up. We would tear off roofs, and as as you know, like ten year olds, we would tear off you know a roof with our dad, bundle up the shingles, and then go sell them at stores. You know, we would. But uh, we read, you know, once baseball, once baseball. So so baseball ended. We were living in Tucson. We were working at a car wash, drying off cars. Yeah, in and Tucson. it was pretty. It's pretty low. Making minimum wage. Yeah. Pretty know? pretty low place. And um, there was a buddy of ours was living out in Hollywood, and he said, look, why don't you guys come and crash on my floor and figure out what you want to do with your lives? And so because I-10, I-5, anyone knows they intersect in Los Angeles. In order to get to Northern California, we had to go through Los Angeles. So, so when we got out there, we had, to, we had to figure out what we were going to do, and we had always loved movies, uh, but we'd never thought about the mechanics behind actually the making of a movie. And so Noah said, you know, why don't we, write, why, no, why don't we find somebody to write this story about us and dad? And then about five minutes later, he said, well, why don't we just do it? And I kind of rolled my eyes because I said, that's never going to happen. And then 
and then we just we bought a book on how to write screenplays and it, and the book and then made we sense. read it and then and but but you know that was the beginning and then we said okay if we're going to take this this writing thing seriously then we have to apply the same to- type of work ethic that we did to baseball which is you wake up every day and you work at your craft and you develop a plan to you know for, at that time it was how we're going to get to the big leagues and so you have a regimen a physical regimen you have a regimen of where you're studying you know the games and and so for us we and then, so we read probably a thousand books over the next more six six years maybe more than that and then and then wrote every day and we said we're not going to get jobs that take away f- from our writing and our education we're going to have these crummy jobs and work just enough to pay the bills and we're going to educate ourselves on this new uh, endeavor and that's and, and that's yeah, what we growing did growing up it wasn't like we were you know used to live in you know our dad was it was homeless, homeless for, you know, so it's, it's like so for us it was easy to live easy off, to live off nothing so you know? yeah we just we just read and read and read and read and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and then and watch movies and watch movies and just and then just ed- educated ourselves there's a question right here in the front um you guys talk a lot about like your relationship with your dad and everything how does your mom play into this Okay, that's a great question. If you don't mind my asking. Oh, no, that's fine. No, we, no. Made a, we made a movie about us, so, I mean, any question's pretty much open, you know. Um, we, got a, we have a, a wonderful mother. We talk about her in, in the book um, a little bit. She's not in the movie, and that's, uh, you know, we had a, it's about a 9 to 12-month snapshot. The movie takes place, and um, we weren't spending really any time with our mother. We were just spending our time working with our dad and trying to save our money. And so, and we had her in an early draft, and the, the story kept getting kind of too scattered. We weren't able to tie all those sort of narrative threads together in everybody's story. So we went and we talked to her, and she said, ultimately, this is a story about you and your father, and tell that story. Yeah. And so uh, we have a wonderful mother. We were just with her on Mother's Day. and yeah, She works she, at a pizza shop. Yeah. She's a waitress. <laughs> so yeah. she drives a, what does she drive? A Honda. Yeah. No, she doesn't. Oh, Toyota. Yeah. Sorry. Before all the, you know, recalls. Yeah. Speaking of cars, tell me about that car in the movie. And, and the car you said you had, you just had like the worst car in LA or something like that. Was that what you wrote? Yeah. Yeah. We had a car. We figured we had the worst car in LA. It had to be. As far as on the road, there's, I would put that car against anybody's. So as far as being bad. Yeah, we did. So we had a, the original, uh, we had a car that blew up. Uh, it, it sheared a head bolt and um, uh, it's a 69 n- Buick LeSabre in north of Santa Barbara. And our uncle wouldn't let us tow it back to his place because he didn't want it sitting in his you know front yard. He didn't want the typical you know white trash look. But uh, um, he said, if I take that car back to my yard, he's all, it's never going to leave. leave there. He's, he's probably all, right. Yeah, he's all, I'm not doing that shit. And so, so we just left it alongside the freeway and um, <laughs> and took a Greyhound back home and and we didn't have a car and so our buddy had just got but it was all dented up we had lost a a wheel one time when we were going on to uh we were going on to the we were merging on <laughs> the, the wheel just going on the freeway and all boing, of a sudden the, the car goes yeah. sparks flying and so the wheel just the whole boom. front fender yeah. just got smashed but so but but so we didn't have a car and our buddy gave us our buddy just got nailed t-boned at an intersection and so the whole it was a nissan pulsar like a 92 or something so it's a small car to begin with so it was made even even really small and um, you couldn't you couldn't get in. You know, one of the doors was so dented in that you couldn't open it, and it was it was vi- you know just just visqueen and duct tape for the window, and it was and, so there was no AC. So and then you had to climb over the stick shift to get into the passenger and seat. And so we're kind of we're not small guys, you know. And so I would you know any guy that's sitting in the you know passenger seat it was so dented in, and uh, you'd for drive up to a, you know beside a good looking girl and you'd forget you know what car you're in. <laughs> And uh, it was so bad that people wouldn't even like look at the car, and it was so hot in the summer because there was no AC and just you couldn't roll yeah. down the window. And then we had a <laughs> we had like a big old puddle in it all yeah, winter. Yeah, because when it would rain, it would just fill with water. But but uh, it was pretty bad. I mean, yeah. Oh, but the car in the movie? Well, I was going to oh. ask if that car influ- informed in, in, or inspired the car. In yeah, the movie. so we couldn't yeah. find so so we couldn't use that car in the movie because it would have been too ridiculous. Like people would have yeah, people been know like, what. <laughs> But this one was totally. Yeah. You gotta see this car. Just, yeah. Well, th- this one was was well, was. Clo- uh, well, right, it's a good point. So how we got this car? But is, we didn't think it was that. You know, in our eyes, it wasn't that ridiculous. I yeah. yeah. No, no, you're right. But I mean, you want to know how, yeah. like, the story about how we got the car? Oh, yeah, I was just curious if it, if because if the car was because the car in the movie. This is another reason to see the film is that the car in the movie is like a character. Yeah. You know, really, for you guys. We it, we always had. This is the first time we've had a car. That that each morning you wake up, you can you can you know it's gonna start, and if it doesn't start, you can take it in and they'll pay to fix it. You know you don't have to pay for it. Um, 
But, so. uh, but probably, yeah, but everyone, no one here has cars, right? Well, I guess not. Yeah. Does anybody here have a car? Okay. Not now. Hey, all people. Right. We, well, got, we got cars. Be like the sub, I'm trying to fit the subway comparison. No, it doesn't work. Anyways. Yeah. Bike, like comparison. Bike with one wheel, but it should have two. I don't know. All right, who's got another question? We got another question right here. All right. Oh, one more. All right. How are you doing? Hello again. <laughs> um, so you guys talk about, well, in the, in the, I'm a big baseball fan, and um, there's a lot of themes. Um, and I guess for you guys, you know, coming to realize that you're not going to make the majors, you know, there's, there's the fear of failure as well, which is a big thing because, you know, you, you bust your ass all your life to try and, you know, you, you raise these goals, and then you're told that you can't, you can't achieve those goals. Um, so, I, I mean, from what I pick up from the film, that you, you, you try to show a lot of that and expresses a lot of that. But I was curious as to, um, you know, the actors, how much input they had in, um, especially towards uh, their own dialogue and the script. And, you know, I mean, you're working with all these Academy Award nominees. Um, you know, I did, did you just kind of let it go and say, look, there's a lot of silver foxes in this room. We're just going to... They know what they're doing and we'll just go with them. I mean, did, uh, how much did that influence um, and drive the script behind it or did you, you guys stay pretty much on par with the script? Yeah, yeah I mean we stayed on I mean I, th I think as close as any movie is going to stay to the script and then of course you know the I mean these, the, these great actors are they're incredibly creative you know as well not only are they technically proficient but they're also you know they have a lot of uh, input and insight um, I think we would go so when we read through the script with with, uh, with all the actors, you know, we would say, is there anything that you feel uncomfortable with? Is there anything that, you know... Any lines that, yeah. ...doesn't feel conversational to you? Because it's a very conversational... I mean, you know, these aren't... It's not a group of intellectuals. You know, this is a very sort of... is a working class... Uh, everybody in it is working class. And, and so, um, so for us, we would just talk to Ed or talk to Brad. Or, and and uh, usually what we would do is we would do you know, a take with it pretty close to script. But because it is colloquial style, you know, you want people to add in and, and become comfortable with it. And so if there was a line that we thought, like, absolutely had to be said, then we, we might, then we would do a take with that. And then we would also do, you know, maybe, maybe for the third take or something, we would just say, look, let's have fun with it, jazz it up, you know, do what you want. And so, and then a lot of times, you know, we'd be talking with Ed or Robert and, and, and Ed, you know, especially Ed, um, he might be doing once Ed came, would come on set he wouldn't break character so as soon as he would walk out of his trailer if if he was drunk that day you know playing our dad then he was drunk and so he would be doing these little things like he might be having a conversation with himself or cracking a joke and if it was just if it was brilliant we were like oh Ed hey uh, next take do that man that's great we love yeah. it or say that you know say that you know in between this piece of dialogue or you know say that to cap it but for us I, there wasn't like a lot of like pride of ownership and, and ego involved you know it was as far as what was on the but we page. shot the script I, yeah. mean, I mean we shot the 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 script you know and so yeah. it wasn't but it wasn't but it was like you know we wanted everybody to contribute too yeah you know and, and at the same time you have to also be able to say hey i think that's a great idea but we're going to do this first i mean because ultimately as the director er you have to make decisions right or wrong but people want you to make a decision and we learned this very, very quickly. They're, the crew, as long as you're, you're, you're a, uh, a leader that they respect, you can make the wrong decision, admit that, and the crew loves you, okay? But if you make no decision, the crew can't stand you, okay? They'd rather you make the wrong decision, it goes terribly, and everyone will have your back as opposed to just, you know, sitting around there. Just being, just kind of yeah. being indecisive. You know, they want to get out there, they want to work, and so... yeah. But to so. answer your question, I mean, it just all kind of depended on, a, on each scene and whatnot. But we certainly wanted to sort of elicit their, their talents because, you know, they're, they're extraordinary artists. So, what, Another question. We've got two more questions left. Oh, okay. This gentleman right here in the back. Um, of all the books you guys have read, like in six years, you said, is there one book that really stands out so somebody wants to be a filmmaker? filmmaker? Well, is it, it, I would divide it into, I would divide it into different categories. Well, is it for production or for writing or for... Let's just say like to actually production. Production, I would say the Guerrilla Filmmaker's Handbook, for yeah. sure. 
because it's a compilation. It's it's interviews by people that have made movies that are that are you know it's not a, it's there's no theory in there. It's it's you know it's pretty much what not to do. It's very it, sort of pra- practical questions. It's a, it's a inter- it's interviews with you know everyone from you know production lawyers to cinematographers to accountants all the way through you know yeah. post production sound you know timing. That's a that's yeah. a great book. But I think there's three. You know, for screenplays, for us, it would be Lou Hunter's Screenwriting 434. Very simple book. For just overall production, it would be Guerrilla Filmmaker's Handbook. And then for directing, it would... That pro- woman's book. What's that uh, woman's Probably be... Uh, that was a good Directing book. Actors, I think it's called. Yeah, that's more... That's just about acting. It's not much, you know, no camera technique or anything And then David like Mamet has a really good book on directing. He's also got a really good one uh, on acting. And then... What's that woman's name god she's some big acting coach i forget her name yeah her book is great great book on on first time director's pretty good shot by shot's good who no no but 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 a friend was reading that book yeah Girl, my girlfriend's reading that yeah. book right now it's pretty no uh god she's a la i don't know I, god diane <laughs> i don't know susan no. I don't another know. question we have the last question over here well, I'm watching such incredible growth and how you, you explained how you, you uh, grew through this entire experience from caring for your dad and going through that probably incredibly painful process and then this growth that you've experienced through this production, this beautiful experience of this movie that you made. What are you going to do next? I'm just really inspired, and I think you guys are wonderful. What are you going to do next? Oh, thank you. Um, well, we've written we've written uh, 13 other screenplays. This was the first one that we that we wrote, um, and then we just finished a, a TV pilot, and then we're starting a new book. But but really, we want to start a like a family entertainment company up in Northern California. We ideally we'd be in this big old barn. Uh, yeah. Out and where we're from, it get, starts getting rural out there, and we just have this barn, and then you get all the creative because Lucasfilm is right down, Skywalker Ranch is right down the road, and so ideally we would just have this this, this barn, barn with the, could, all yeah. these just you know creative people in there, and then and it would be sort where of like we could write every you know just get up writing I mean, uh, every day, and and you know the, we're not those you know hipster you know edgy guys we know what kind of movies that we want to make like the Amblin model was Spielberg when he first started out like you know when they made Raiders of Lost Ark and E.T. and Goonies and uh, those are the type of movies that that we would like to make for us if you you know for us to spend two years on a on maybe a really dark subject matter would be that was yeah we'd probably get depressed and like jump off the Golden Gate Bridge yeah I mean that's what we learned I think learning one of the biggest lessons was that when you make a movie you're 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 living with it, I mean, for a long time. And that, I think the, har- the hardest, one of the hardest things is that we didn't realize we'd have to be looking at ourselves for hundreds of hours in the editing room. And then, you know, it just was something that you don't... We didn't anticipate. anticipate. So having lived with it for a while, there's, you know, making a slasher film or whatever ain't gonna happen. You know, making some... We enjoy watching. I mean, but, we enjoy... You know, making some drugged out, you know dark movie ain't gonna happen you know just cause we would get too, we'd probably get too depressed or whatever I mean we appreciate all sort of genres of films but for us I think you know we def- that's what we want to do just yeah. kind of light fun movies uh, like popcorn stuff not necessarily really cerebral intellectual stuff for, I mean <laughs> not that we don't You're appreciate it like stupid stuff yeah not I mean not that you know that's just what not that's dumbed down, you know, not just dumbed down, movies, but I but mean. like I'm talking good. Dude, Goonies was great. E.T. Stim- no, I, I know, yeah, <laughs> but not like they get it. Okay, I, yeah, I know. you know, if you want, if you want to get a, a better idea, uh, I really can't recommend their book enough. Either you're in or you're in the way, as both a filmmaking tutorial. For people who have basically no money, no contacts, nothing, and also it's a great story. It's just a really fun read, and it's what these guys are really like. And it's basically how to you know start from scratch and do it yourself. So this is great. So uh, I, maybe you could just before we uh, wind up, maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about the book. What this, what made you, what motivated you to write a book? Okay, so we had every intention of making the movie once our dad passed away, but never even thought about a book. And then once we got into, we cut at, 
at our, our house in this little tiny town called Fairfax, Northern California. And our editor would, would come over every day, Robert Dalva. And so me, he would show up at 11 and leave at 11. So me and my brother would go. We had a little bit of time now. And we would go down, you know, downtown and run into people who hadn't seen us. And they'd, you know, everyone would be like, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. And, but you guys made a movie with Ed Harris. Wait, hold on. What, what, what's going on? And so we would just tell our story, you know, starting with our dad passing away in jail to, you know, ambushing Ed Harris in the alley to raising the money. And people would just say, wow, man, that should be your next movie. And then we'd be like, huh, well, you know, we just got to finish this one first. We don't even know if we can finish this movie. And then they were like, well, you should write a book. So we kept hearing it. And because you're living guy, your life, you don't think your life's anything special. But this guy, sure. he loves to overcommit us. And so... He said, you know, if we start writing at 5.30, because we get, we get, up, get up early. We get up pretty early. He said, look, if we start writing at 5.30, you know, by the time Robert shows up at 10.30, 11, you know, we'll have a good five hours in. He said, in, you know, three, about three months we'll have a first draft. And so I, I said, man, we just don't have t- time to do that. We got to just focus on finishing the movie. And so... Um, I just kept... Yeah, so it finally... So he writes freehand. And I typed, because when we first started writing, we didn't have a computer. And so, and so I just started writing. So we'd get up in the morning, and I would just, in my little bind, I just started And then started I writing. felt really bad about not, because, you know, helping them. And it so, probably was like an hour. <laughs> I probably started yeah. like... So then we started, so then we, then, then we started writing it, and then we had a, we had a f- uh, draft ready in, in about three months, and uh, we were still cutting the, the film, and a good friend of ours, she, she's a national best-selling author, and we gave her her the manuscript, and we said her name is Tess, and we said, "Look, Tess, you know, we, we don't know if it's any good, but here, you know, if read it, and, and if if you don't want to, if you can't get past the first page, you know, our friendship is still, you know, intact." Yeah. And so she, uh, we gave it to her, I think, on like a Friday, and then she, uh, on Sunday, I think, she called us and said. You know, I, I, I really I like, like this. You know, can I send it to my agent in New York? And we'd never been in New York. <laughs> and so we're like, yeah, sure, send it to New York. You know, because that was a place that was far, far away. And so uh, <laughs> we sent it to her agent. No, and, she sent it, yeah. Oh, sorry, she sent it to her agent. And then like, two days later, we got a, it was a, a, a New York number. And we were like, oh, man, it's a rejection, right? That quick, it's been rejected. And the agent read it, and she said, wow, I... I really like this you know can i send it out to publishers and so we said yeah sure send it out because we were trying to finish the movie you know I mean, we would, it was not a big focus of ours and then it got bought yeah unbelievable there are books over yonder so please have a look introduce yourself thank you so much for coming yeah, touching home opens thanks. friday at the village east yeah. i'm Stu van arizo with movieline.com please check out that website and thanks again for coming really appreciate it yeah, thank, thank you guys. thanks for coming guys keep it going for noah and logan miller again everybody who's okay. attending today gets a copy of the book so do not leave without your copy of the book and uh noah and logan you guys going to sign them for them? yes sure they're going to sign them for you guys yeah, so yeah, go yeah, ahead sure. make sure you get your copy get it signed oh, we cool. have plenty for everyone guys thank you so much for coming and have a wonderful evening and wonderful week Thank you.